Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Okay, Chevra, wow. Baruch Hashem, Hanukkah Sameach to everyone. It is such a pleasure to be here in your house. Matan, Rebecca, thank you for having us. And our learning tonight should be Lilinishmat Matan's grandmother, whose name was? Ilana Batarabe. Ilana Batarabe. Just, I have to start off and say, you know, it's such a pleasure always to get together with the Chevra, but I get to learn with Matan every night. Hashem. I have a big zechut that I get to sit and learn with Matan every night. It's a tremendous zechut, and I could tell Matan how chashuv it is that he comes to learn, but even more than that is that his wife allows him to come to learn. Amet, I can tell you without question, there's no it's question. I know, it's starting off good. I said, I said, I told you. It's a tremendous thing to, your husband works all day, you don't really see him, you don't hang out, and then he comes back, and then you send him out to learn Torah. That's Eshet Chayel Miyimtza. It's a very not simple thing, very not simple. You're blessed, Baruch Hashem. And you and Rebecca, you should only know brachot, smachot, only good things. Amen. Hashem. In addition, I have to say one more thing before we start. This is the first class that I'm giving that my wife is actually at, in attendance with. So first of all, thank you because I'm drinking. But second of all, on top of that, and, and, and this is really the more important point for me, is that the reason she doesn't come to any of my classes is because she takes care of the kids. Which means the only reason that I'm really able to give the classes is because she's really taking care of everything at home and making sure that I could do what I do Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. So the fact that she's never come to my classes is actually a greatest compliment, really, to her. So I really appreciate that, and thank you for coming to this class, obviously. And uh, in general, thank you. Chevra! It's Chanukah, Bo Hashem. It's a very, very wonderful time of the year. And I think there's a tremendous lesson that we can take from this festival, particularly, like every other festival. But just to begin with an introduction, there is something unique about Hanukkah that I find is very personal for every Jew. Really, it's very real, and it touches to the core of our existence, particular today in today's times. Every other festival, every festival, there's lessons we could learn. There's messages we should absorb. There's things that we should learn from them. But there's something very special about Hanukkah. And I want to just explain for one moment before we really begin, get into depth, Chanukah was like the last uh, flash of brilliance when there was a Beit HaMikdash before this exile began. What do I mean by that? The Second Temple era, the Jewish people were primarily governed by foreign powers. We know that. They rebuilt the Beit HaMikdash at the behest of the Persian Empire, which was Daryavesh. We know the story. Non-Jews, controlled by non-Jews. Then after the Persians was the... Uh, Greeks, and after the Greeks was the Romans. And then the Romans destroyed the temple. The era of the Hashmonaim, as the Rambam says, we'll see maybe briefly, was a 200-year era where they were autonomous. Meaning for a short period of time, maybe 100 years, 200 years, they were actually able to self-govern. They were able to be in their own power and thrive as an independent society not controlled by non-Jewish empires. It was the last flash of brilliance in what we were in having a Beit HaMikdash. Obviously, not like the first temple, obviously, but it was something. And then, after that, unfortunately, we had Chorban Bayit Sheini, until today, almost 2,000 years. 
There's something very personal about that when you think about that, something very real, particularly that it falls out in the winter when the nights are long and there's more darkness. And there's a very powerful message in that too. So Hashem will focus in on one of those themes, one of those messages tonight, how that ties into our own avodah. So Hashem will learn something tonight. So to begin, we know that there are two. We spoke about this two weeks ago at the Lunch and Learn. We know that there are really two miracles that we are theoretically commemorating over Hanukkah. Two miracles. Like you just said, Chachamim don't just make uh, Yamim Tovim, festivals, uh, for anything. There has to be real significance to the festival. So there's two main miracles that envelop Hanukkah. What are the two main miracles that I'm talking about? So Pachashem is the second one. What was the first one? The war war effort, which is that a small group of uh, Maccabim, of... um, Hashmonaim conquered this great Greek empire. Okay? So look at the Gemara. Everybody pay attention well. Because if you pay attention, we spoke about this, but it's Kedai to go over also, you'll realize that what the Gemara highlights as to the main miracle of the holiday does not seem to follow what we say in Tefillah and Alanisim. You'll see. I'm not making anything up here. And the Rambam echoes the Gemara, and this creates a bit of a contradiction. I'm just going to tell you the Gemara briefly outside. The Gemara says as follows. We went through it. My Chanukah. So the Gemara says, what miracle occurred that they established this festival of Chanukah? So the Brayta teaches on the 25th day of Kislev, this is actually Megillat Ta'anit, for those who know, it was established. Eight days that were not allowed to eulogize and were not allowed to fast. Why? Because the Greeks had gone into the Beit HaMikdash and they contaminated, they were mitameh, all of the oils in the Echal, in the sanctuary. And when Malchut Beit Chashmonai became more powerful and vanquished them, overpowered them, they checked and they could only find one jug of oil that was sealed still with the seal of the Kohen Gadol. And there was only enough oil in there for it to light for one night. A miracle happened and it lasted for eight nights. If you're following, it's the first footnote. The next year they established it as Yamim Tovim Ba'alel V'hoda'ah. And you look at that Gemara, it comes out very clear. What miracle is the Gemara highlighting that this festival was established for? The oil. It hardly even mentions the military victory. It really just says, when they overpowered the Greeks, then they went into the Heichal to look for oil. It doesn't even mention the fact that there was a few Chashmonaim, there was a great Greek empire, doesn't mention. That's the Gemara. We're not going to go through the entirety of the Rambam, but the Rambam's the next three notes. You could look at them if you want. I'll just draw your attention. <coughs> the first Rambam, it's Mishnah Torah, Halacha, Elchot, Megillah, V'Chanukah, Gimel, Aleph. So the first one, he explains the persecution from the Greeks against the Jewish people. And then finally, Hashem saved us through the Chashmonaim. They killed the Greeks. And uh, Hashem allowed us to overpower them. For 200 more years, the Chashmonaim were able to rule. And if you look at Alacha Bet in the Rambam, it's the footnote Gimel here. It was the 25th of Kislev. They only found one jug of oil in the Mikdash. It's the Rambam. It only had enough to light for one day. And lit on the menorah for eight days. Until they could get more oil. Again, so the Rambam reflects the Gemara. 
the miracle that this festival was established for seems to be the miracle that the oil of one day lasted for eight days, not one day, and he does not even focus very much on the military victory of Rabim Biyad Matim. But we know, we say those words, Rabim Biyad Matim. Where do we say the words, Rabim Biyad Matim? Now let me see. We say that. When the Chachamim established a prayer to commemorate this holiday that we say on Chanukah, there's hardly a mention of the oil, and the focal point is actually the military victory. I, I, I put it in here if you want to look. In the, the note, hey, it says here, this is, this is the Ashkenazi, but it's the same in the Isfar that you could look. Hey, sorry. <laughs> so he says like this. He says... Uh, he says, uh, The mighty were given over to the hands of the weak, meaning the Greeks in the hands of the Jews. The many in the hands of the small, again, the Greeks in the hands of the Chashmonaim. Now look, it makes a brief mention of the oil. They lit oil in your holy courtyard. It doesn't say anything about one day, eight days, briefly mentions, hardly even focusing on that at all. So it comes at a very strange phenomena. When the Gemara and the Rambam tell us about this, this holiday of Hanukkah, we focus primarily on the miracle of the oil lasting not one day, but eight days. And yet, when, when uh, Chazal were metaken, the prayer for this festival, they focus on the military victory. Why is it that the Gemara reflects the miracle of the oil? And in our tefillah, we highlight the miracle of the military victory. What's that? We do light the Hanukkah, so what? So it's we are, true. We are, we are doing the Sumanes already. It's true, so? So we have to mention also the word, since there was two miracles. I hear you, but why doesn't the Gemara mention that at all? The Gemara doesn't mention, it's almost like a contradiction. If Chazal are telling us this festival was established, there has to be good reason. So Gemara says the reason was oil. And then in the Tefillah, it seems to be the miracle of the military. Which one is it? And I want to add just one more point also. This really gets to the point of the issue here. Hashem didn't have to give us this miracle of the oil. We already had the military victory. That's wonderful. Wonderful. We don't need that second miracle. Hashem doesn't give us miracles for no reason unless there's a very important factor that needs to be displayed, that needs to be showed, exhibited, right? So what was the necessity of that second miracle? We don't see miracles on a day-to-day -day basis outright. I mean, everything is a miracle, but an outright like that, we don't see those. Why did Hashem see that it was necessary to give us that second miracle of the oil? Yeah. What? More what? Well, everyone knew about it. Everyone knew these five guys or these ten guys that conquered the Greek army. I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds like in the story. Chaim l'chaim. It hardly mentions. Yeah, no. Hardly mentions. Not in this sugya which talks yeah, about Hanukkah. Yeah. Might mention elsewhere, but it's not a focal point. Mm -hmm. But 
it mentions it. It's something. Yeah, Chazal talked about it, but it's so it's so passed over. It seems so secondary. Very difficult. So really we have two questions. Question one is, why does the Gemara and the Rambam highlight the oil miracle? And the tefillah seems to highlight the military victory. And secondly, why do we even need that miracle of the oil? It seems completely unnecessary. You don't need it. You already showed us you love us, Hashem. You caused us to win against all odds. Right? You caused us to win. What do we need this for? You said something the other day. I'm going to use a little bit what you said. What? I can't really give you a bring answer, but I can tell you that Adyashir, everything is about the war until the very, 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 you missed the Yerush Muzing. Now look, <laughs> I said L'chaim. I have no problem. You want to say L'chaim, but then you don't ask me what did he say, Yerush Muzing. It's okay. All right. All right. I know that's I have to go home. Okay. Hello. Let's move on to the second. She can listen to my classes too. Don't worry. Jacob, you're a funny guy. <laughs> Let's move on to the second step here now. This is a separate topic, but we'll tie them together as we continue, obviously. And I'm not just going to leave this one out to dry. All right, what we have here is like this. I asked a few people this question already. I brought up this question. At the end of Pashat... Um, Vayishlach, Vayishlach. At the end of Vayishlach, end of Vayishlach, we have forty-three psukim that tell us the family and descendants of Esav. Forty-three psukim. Imagine forty-three psukim. Forty-three psukim is sometimes half of a parasha, half of a parasha. The Torah goes out of its way to tell us forty-three verses about family of Esav and the family of Seir which is the mountain that Esav moved his family to and conquered. Like the Jews got Eretz Yisrael, Esav took an area called Har Seir. So 43 psukim tell us the family, the kings, the warriors, the princes of Esav and his associates. And it's an extremely difficult thing. To, we, the Torah doesn't just say random things. It doesn't just say uh, side plot. Uh, something interesting, you might find it interesting. If it's written in the Torah, there has to be a good reason. Now, Ishmael, by the way, he did Teshuvah at the end of his life. Okay. Esav did not do Teshuvah at the end of his Sava life. Savah Asha. Esav is Amalek. I mean, that's, that's where it comes from. And the Torah goes out of its way to say 43 psukim about his warriors and his nations. It seems completely unnecessary. Now, this question is even made stronger by the following. Listen good. Rashi, in the beginning of Ayeshev, last week's parasha, he tells us, so that's the end of Vayishlach is all those 43 psukim of Esav. And then Vayeshev starts, Vayeshev Yaakov be'eretz migurei aviv be'eretz kenan. And then it says, who is the children of Yaakov? Yosef. It says, Ele toldot Yaakov, Yosef. Yosef is the child of Yaakov. It doesn't highlight the others. Okay. So comes along Rashi and he says, what's the idea, the 43 psukim of Esav? And then it says, Yaakov had Yosef. 
So Rashi says two pshatim. I'm going to briefly go over the first pshat because I don't want to focus too much on it. But Rashi says the first pshat is the Torah is going to show us how much Hashem loves and values Yaakov over Esav. Because whereas regarding Esav, it tells us his children, but very briefly. It doesn't go into the wars and stories and all the information about Esav. It just tells us the children and the very brief uh, points. But with Yaakov, it tells us Yosef and Mechirat Yosef and Yetziad Mitzrayim, all the stories associated with Yaakov. So to show us that Yaakov is chashuv in front of Esav and more than Esav in front of Hashem, therefore it puts together the 43 psukim of Esav and then the psukim of Yaakov bearing Yosef. Now, you look at that and immediately that should cause you to ask a question. If the point of putting these two topics next to each other is to highlight that Yaakov was significant in the eyes of Hashem and not Esav, you don't need 43 psukim of Esav. Okay, it's true. We don't talk all about his stories, but 43 psukim is a lot of psukim. According to us, it's short. That's what he says. He says it's short. Kitzer v'dvarav. That's a lot of psukim to just tell us this idea. You could say it in much shorter, shorthand form. So why do the psukim, according to that first shot, go through 43 psukim of Esav? Well, listen to the second shot of Rashi. Rashi says the second shot. He says, Yemashal. He says, uh, sorry, Davacher, Vayeshev Yaakov. A person had, listen to the mashal, it's a mashal, but... A person had on the back of his donkey a lot of flax. Flax is pishtan. Pishtan. It's like one of the, what do you say, the crop, whatever. I yeah. learned it with this. Pishtan. We went through this. Okay. The store owner wondered how can the donkey enter, uh, sorry, the, the camel, enter the store with all of this, it's a note, vav, uh, uh, the end of it. How can this camel get into the store with all of that burden on his back? So one smart person said, listen, a spark from the fire will shoot out and it'll burn the flax and then the camel will be able to go into the store. Says Rashi, Yaakov saw all of the princes of Esav, all of the warriors and kings and princes from Esav. He wondered and he said, who's going to conquer all of these? How will I overcome all of these great warriors of Esav? So what does it say after? Ele toldot Yaakov Yosef. Meaning, based on the Pasuk in Ovadia that says, and we spoke about this a few weeks ago, Vaya bet Yaakov esh. Yaakov is like fire. Ubet Yosef lava. Yosef is like the flame that leaps out. And bet Esav id lekash. Esav is like the, the straw. Straw is easily consumed by fire. Nitzot yotzei Yosef, one spark will shoot out, which is Yosef, shemechalev esoref et kulam, that will consume and destroy all of Esav. So let's put that just back into the story here. So it writes all of the warriors of Esav, then it highlights the fact, Yaakov was wondering, how will I overcome all of these great powerful warriors of Esav, all of these descendants that are mighty, powerful warriors? And the answer to that is Yosef. Yosef has some koach, some power, he's like the spark that's going to leap out of you who are the fire, and it'll consume all of those warriors of Esav. So that's why these two parashiyot are put next to each other. 
And we've mentioned this before, if you remember, when Yaakov was working by Lavan, after Yosef was born, Yaakov said, now I'm ready to leave. Why did he say, now I'm ready to leave? Because he said, now that I have Yosef, that is the koach that can fight against Esav. So we have to understand, firstly, in what way is Yosef the force that can overcome Esav? Okay, it sounds nice, but there needs to be some depth to that as well. In what way, Yosef, we don't say that Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yodai, Yisachar, none of those. Yosef, he is the one that will overcome Esav. The great warriors of Esav will be overcome by the spark, which is Yosef, that is generated from the fire of Yaakov. That will overcome the warriors and the princes of Esav. In what way is Yosef going to overcome Esav? And again, back to the question we mentioned just before, why is it necessary to mention all 43 psukim of Esav as well? So basically, just to, to wrap up the questions here. Question number one, focus of number one is, in regards to this Chanukah, we have the miracle which is highlighted by Gemara and Rambam, which is the miracle of the oil, and we have the miracle which is highlighted in our tefillah, which is the military victory. Well, why is there that discrepancy? And two, we also have something very interesting, which is, let's go to the second shot, is that we have 43 psukim of Esav's descendants, warriors, and then we say Yosef is the antithesis to that. He will overcome all of Esav. In what way will he overcome all of Esav? We said a shot a couple weeks ago, and we say a different shot tonight. So in order to understand this, first we have to say L'chaim in order to understand this. That's yeah, that's Everybody's with me, yeah? Everybody's with me still. David wants. David wants Loading. He's a good customer. <laughs> <laughs> I had pasta for you have to have, uh, you know, like, <laughs> break in the action for food distribution. That's the <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. You know, we're doing it in a... That's perfect. Perfect, perfect. That's perfect, perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. What? Yosef. We're going to talk about you tonight. Yosef. You have a very special name, very special name. Yosef is not a simple thing at all. It's not just, it's not just Dali, Yosef. It's not just Dali. There's a lot going on here, Yosef. Very special name. One of the most special. Chaim the Chaim. We have only 10, so you so have to everyone has to eat it too. No more if you do our best. No. I heard a nice idea. No. Yeah, as long as it's
instead of escaping from all of this reshaim, from all of these troubles that coming, what Yaakov is doing? Beautiful. Beautiful. He's inside. I saw this but the second idea that you say Yosef in order for him to overcome the the Esav um, it's the same idea basically the continuation a, a student like we said like Yaakov was a student from Yitzhak which, is, which was Dean yeah, okay the same thing Yosef is actually a, the, the, the true descent that is coming from Yaakov the Skut Avot at the end was actually the, the, the mission that he had to, to overcome all of these challenges in order for us to be in the place that we are today. Yeah. So if I connect the dots together, the whole idea was that they actually have to face it, the troubles, and that's exactly what is Yosef was doing. Okay, so before you take away my whole shiur. Anyone say Arak? First of all, I want to thank my wife for everything that she arranged tonight. And second of all, the last case is from my wife, Mary. Wow. So you have to eat it. And also we have donuts. So we have some donuts. All right, Trevor, listen. Let's go, let's go. When we talk about Yosef... Natan, I'm waiting for you. I'm coming. When we talk about Yosef... When we talk about Yosef... I'm the nanny. When we talk about Yosef, there are a lot of very special character traits Yosef has. But there's one character trait that is highlighted time and time again. And I want to bring out that point right now. What do we know that is so special about Yosef throughout the stories in the Psukim, particularly with the story of Eshat Potiphar, the wife of Potiphar? What is that? What does that mean, Jacob? What does that mean? What, is, what do we know that's so special, unique? He restrained himself. Restraint. Restraint? What's another word for restraint? 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 What's a better word? I'm thinking about a different word. I'm not thinking because of the alcohol in the system. What's the word? Willpower. Willpower. Self-control. Self-control? No, that's not what I'm thinking of. What's it called when you do something regularly? You're able to do something regularly. Okay, think about it now. But let's go ahead. Anyways, let's march ahead. So, Kitsu, it's okay. Yosef HaTzadik... One of the most powerful character traits that we know, and I want to give you a few examples in his stories where we find this time and time again, the same story. He has incredible restraint. He has con- in- incredible control of his lower urges, of his more basic urges. Self-control. So self-control. Self-control. The most fundamental story that we know is the story of uh, uh, the wife of Potiphar. We know the story. Yeah. He's sold off as a slave to... Mitzrayim eventually ends up there. Potiphar buys him. Gemara actually tells us uh, Potiphar was a Mishkav Zachar. He himself bought him to sleep with him. It's unbelievable. That's what the Gemara says. Gemara says he wanted to sleep with him. Gemara merit that he was himself because Yosef was so beautiful. Gemara says he bought Yosef. Yosef becomes extremely successful. Okay? And the Torah describes Yosef as extremely attractive, which is a very unique thing. I want to point something out here. 
women in the Torah are described as attractive. You don't find very often that men are described as very attractive. Yosef is. Maybe David Amel. Someone else also. It's unique. David Oh, well, the Gemara talks about it. That's the Gemara. But in the Torah, it's not. You don't find men are described. You're right. You don't find men described as attractive. Like that's a very interesting thing. Yosef was extremely attractive, very handsome, and. He becomes extremely successful in the, ha- in the house of Potiphar. He puts him in charge. He puts him, I don't know if it's the only one, but maybe, perhaps the only one. He puts him in charge of his entire household. So this woman, uh, Potiphar's wife, this woman sees this, and she wants to be with him. And the Gemara in Mesechet Yoma highlights the test. Listen to this, Chavah. The Gemara in Mesechet Yoma tells us, when Din comes in Shamayim, we're all going to come to Din. It's going to happen going to happen in the days. And the Gemara tells us three types of excuses are going to be given. There's going to be an excuse someone's going to give why he didn't learn Torah because he was poor, an excuse because he was rich, and an excuse because he was Rasha. Rasha. Because he was very involved in Yetzirah. In Din, ultimately, we're all going to go to Din. There's going to have to be Din B'Cheshbon. After 120, there's going to be, you're going to have to answer up for your life. And the Gemara says, anyone that's going to give the excuse of Ani, I was too poor, I couldn't get involved in Torah, who's going to argue against him? Hillel Azaken. And then Ashir, Rebbe Chorsit, whatever, that's not applicable. But Rasha, listen to the Gemara, it's Mesechet Yoma, the Gemara says, listen to the Gemara. Someone's going to come to Din, and he's going to say, they're going to say to him, Mesechet Yoma Lamed Hamud Bet. Why weren't you involved in Torah? Every man has to study Torah. Why didn't you study Torah? So Imamar, if he says, I was so attractive, and I was so involved in my Yetzer, I was involved in Yetzerah, they're going to say back to him, Were you more attractive than Yosef? Because they said about Yosef HaTzadik, every day the wife of Potiphar would seduce him. Every day. She would change her clothing in morning to evening, always trying to look beautiful in his eyes. Constantly trying to seduce him. And yet, Yosef overcame. Now I want to give a few more examples. Very interesting. These are lesser known examples. But I'll give you another example where, you know, he, was, where he was Kovesh at Yitzro. Where else do we know that he overcame his base inclination? His brothers come to Mitzrayim. Now, he is in the position of power. Now, what could he have done at that point? He could have taken major revenge. He could have started to abuse them for what they did to him. And not only did he not do that, but he was as gentle as possible with them. Totally kovesh et yitzro. I'll give you a third example. Maran Mesechet Tanit that we're about to learn in Kinyana Mesechet, which everyone's invited to come to, Adarava, come. But the Gemara tells us that during the years of famine, when everybody was starving, you know, the seven years, we spoke about the seven years, it was seven years of famine, Yosef didn't have relations with his wife. Why didn't he have relations with his wife? Because if people are suffering, you have to suffer along with them. So it's not seven years actually because it ended early because Yaakov came. But it was supposed to be seven years. It was supposed to be seven years. The point is, again, he controlled his yetzer. He controlled himself because he understood if people are suffering, I can't be enjoying. I have to be suffering as well. Time and time again, we find the same theme with Yosef HaTzadik. He was Kovesh et Yitzro. He controlled himself. He had extreme 
self-restraint, even in the most difficult of circumstances. I just want, before we go to the next point, I want to highlight this for a minute. Think for a second. You have a 17-year-old boy. Okay? Hormones are raging. 17-year-old boy. He's sold off to Egypt, which is, which is called Shitufezima. Shitufezima means it was enveloped in more immorality. It makes South Beach look tame. Okay? Enveloped in immorality. Mitzrayim, we know, when Makat Bechorot hit years later, every firstborn died. Many children in each house died because the women used to sleep around. So there were many firstborns because they slept with different men, making many firstborns. The whole city, the whole country, was covered in immorality, in Shitufezima. And Yosef, a 17-year-old boy, hormones raging, he could have slept with Eishetifat Toar, nobody would have known otherwise. And he said, it's against your, your husband, it's against Hashem, I can't get involved in that. Do you understand what self-control that takes? That's unbelievable self-control. Why am I highlighting this? The reason I'm highlighting this is as follows. And this will tie us back into, Yosef can overcome Esav. There is a Mishnah in Mesef, you know where I'm going with this. You know where I'm going with this, come on, Yosef. Mishnah in Mesechet Avot that tells us as follows. Ben Zoma, it's the fourth parak, the first Mishnah in Mesechet Avot. Ben Zoma Omer, Ben Zoma tells us. I'm going to skip the first part of the Mishnah. Ezel Gibor. What is a Gibor? What is a mighty person? Hakovesh et Yitzro. Somebody that controls his base urges. Shene'emar, like it says in Mishlei, Tov Erech Apayim Gibor. It's a powerful pasuk in Mishlei. Greater is Erech Apayim. What's Erech Apayim? Somebody that is patient, that doesn't get angry, even though he could get angry, and he takes it easy. Migibor, he's greater than the warrior. Umoshel berucho. Milocherir. Thank you, Yosef. What parak is it? What parak is that? It's chapter four, number two. No, no. What what parak in Mishle is that? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you don't know? No, no. Sorry to be on the spot. I thought you would know. Okay. Now Yosef is unbelievable. These things. Umoshel berucho milocherir. You got the pasuk. You know what, Yosef? You got the pasuk. Nobody else knew the pasuk. It's okay. And somebody that controls his base urges is more powerful than the conqueror of cities. Now what is the Mishnah telling us? Ben Zoma is telling us a real Gibor is somebody that is, has self-control, that can control himself. And he says, Tov, like the Pasuk Mishlei says, Tov Gibor. What is more powerful than the physical powerful warrior? The person who has self-control. So what am I saying? Yosef HaTzadik, who is the epitome he is the ultimate person, Erechapayim. The person, Erechapayim, it takes, you get situations where you're about to blow up and then you bite your tongue and you step back. That's Koveshat Yitzro. It takes a tremendous amount of, that's greater than uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's greater than the, the physical warrior. That's what Mishnah Navot tells us, Ben Zoma tells us. So I would like to suggest it doesn't just mean it's uh, super fit. In, in a way, we look at it as more ideal, but actually, he's more powerful. Yosef HaTzadik can overcome Esav. What is Rashi really telling us? Rashi's telling us is, who is the son of Yaakov that possesses this character trait of Kovesh et Yitzro to the greatest of levels, to the degree that, by the way, you just called him Yosef HaTzadik. The Gemara calls him Yosef HaChasid, which is even a higher level, by the way, because of that story, that he, he was so in control of himself. Who is that? That's Yosef. Yosef is the one who's Kovesh et Yitzro. He controls his base impulses, and somebody that controls his base impulses is more powerful than the 43 verses of Psukim talking about Esav's warriors. 
That's what Rashi's really telling us. Rashi's telling us is the nitzotz, that little spark that's flying out of Yaakov, that's going to burn all of Esav, that's that little spark that's koveshet yitzro, which is not just little, and little in size, but powerful beyond measure. It's going to conquer all of Esav, all of the great warriors of Esav, all the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, all those people. They're nothing in, compared to, in comparison to somebody who is Kovesh et Yitzro. They're nothing in comparison to Yosef. So Ela toldot Yaakov Yosef, because Yaakov didn't, how am I going to? The answer is, you'll have a child like Yosef who is Kovesh et Yitzro, and Tov Erechapayim Megibor. Megibor, no? Greater is the one who's in control of his patience. Patience, he doesn't get angry, he's calm, he controls his base impulses in ta'avot, in anger, in all the areas where he could lash out, he could be harsh in areas that he should. Takes it easy. He's in control. He has discipline. That's what I was looking for. Discipline. He has discipline. Discipline is a tremendous thing. He's greater. Someone who has discipline, someone who has that midav, koveshet yitzro, he's greater than a gibor. Says Rashi. That's what the Pesukim are telling us. You put the 43 Pesukim of Esav. Why does it highlight that? There's so many. It's, it's, all of these mighty warriors of Esav. Yaakov says, how am I going to overcome that? He looks at that. Tons of warriors. They're powerful. They work out in the gym every day. It's incredible. How are we going to? The answer is, those are, that's physical might. That's physical power. That's physical power. That's something. But somebody that controls himself, that has discipline, He's far more powerful in all of that. And that's why it says, El toldot Yaakov Yosef. That's the children of Yaakov is Yosef. Meaning, Yosef, who has that discipline to the greatest of levels, he's going to be able to conquer all of that gvura Vesav because he possesses real gvura. Ezel gibo That's real gvura. That's real might. Esav, it's physical muscles. That's something. But that's nothing in comparison to the real gvura like Ben Zoma tells us in Perkei Avot. Now let's take this back. Logically, when we're saying modim in the Amidah, we're davening. Modim is thanking Hashem. So there's two miracles. Which one should we really thank Hashem for? The miracle of the lights or the miracle of the military victory? The war, of course, because that's what I, we were physically saved. We were fighting against the Hashemone and we're fighting. We were saved. So it's logical that in the Amidah, when we talk about the, mil, the, the military victory, that's the element we have to say thank you to Hashem for. So in Modim, where we're acknowledging thanks to Hashem, it makes sense. That's what we mentioned. Similarly in Birkat Amazon, by the way. Birkat Amazon, we say in Odelecha, which is also thanking Hashem. So we say military victory. We highlight in Al Nisim the military victory. Thank Hashem for allowing us to overcome the Greeks. Logical. The Gemara is telling us, listen to this, if there was only a military victory, I want to focus on this point for a minute, if there was only a military victory, even in their times, and certainly today, one could possibly say, there's been times where a small amount of people overpowered a larger empire. I mean, the fact that the state of Israel exists today, altogether, surrounded by, what, 22 countries of Arabs that want them destroyed? That's a miracle. I'm going to point that out. That's a miraculous phenomena that if anyone looks at that and says it's not a miracle, they don't know what they're talking about. It's a miracle. The point is, there are times, it might even be natural to some degree, I would say to some degree, a small amount of people could overpower a tremendous amount of others with chokhmah, etc. Someone in those days, and certainly today, could have said, eh, that's not a miracle. Hashem wasn't involved in that. They had military prowess. They had, but what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? Hashem gave them the miracle of the light. What does the miracle of the light highlight? What it shows us is like this. All of the oil was tameh. 
All of the oil was impure, contaminated. You couldn't use that. That oil, if they would have lit that, it wouldn't have lasted for eight nights. What lasted for eight nights? The one flask of oil that was tahor. It broke the laws of science. It broke the laws of physics. Oil lights for one night. It doesn't light for eight nights. But why did it light for eight nights? Why? Because it was tahor. Because it was pure. Because it was koveshet yitzro. That's what Hashem was telling us is. The military victory was defined as miyad Hashem, from the hands of Hashem, based on the secondary miracle. They didn't conquer Yavan in those days because they had great chokhmah and they knew how to overpower them. It was a tiny army and they should have been destroyed. Jews should have been wiped out. Chashmonaim shouldn't have been successful at all. But the oil tells us why were they successful? Because they were pure. Because they were tahor. Because they were like that one jug who was kovesh et yitzro, who was pure, who controlled himself, who had restraint, who had discipline. That's why they overcame the Greeks. So the second miracle actually teaches us the power of the first miracle and the lesson of the first miracle. How could a few chashmonaim overcome all those people? Because they were real giborim. They were real mighty people who were kovesh et yitzram. And then the whole army of Greeks, that's like nothing in face of that. They're much more powerful physically, but there's nothing. You said, we just said, tov erech mi gibor. The erech the person who controls himself, is stronger than the gibor. So the second miracle actually highlights the fact that the first miracle occurred was all because they were tahor, they were pure. They were kovesh et yitzram. They said, we're not getting involved in Hellenism. We're not getting involved in this new way of life and forfeiting chas shalom, Judaism, the beauty of our tradition as we have it. There's no way we're getting involved in that. And that's the miracle of Hanukkah as we know it. The miracle of Hanukkah says the Gemara. Why did they establish the, the, the days of Hanukkah says the Gemara, says the Rambam, is to highlight the fact that the, the victory over the military, the great power, powerful warriors of the Greeks and Esav, like we just said, the powerful warriors physically, they're nothing in regards to Gibor, a real Gibor. What's a real Gibor? Somebody that controls himself. That's the real lesson of Chanukah. Before we finish, I just want to finish off with one point. But what I just said, it's easier said than done. To really control ourselves, when we have challenges, when someone frustrates us, to not lash out at them, when we're in that situation where we could look or we could not look, we could engage or we could not engage, that's a very difficult place to be in. But you know what? I just want everyone to think for a second about this. What I just told you, you know, Hashem, Baruch Hashem, today we have an Israeli army. Baruch Hashem, it's a big bracha that we have that. It's not a simple thing, by the way. Hashem gave us a big koch, a big thing about Israeli army itself. What's that? Baruch Hashem. It's a Baruch Hashem. But at the same time, the real victory is achieved, not the military victory. That's not it. If it's just military, we can't win. There's far more people who hate us than love us in this world. That's the reality. Esav Soneli Yaakov is true and well. But the victory is achieved with Rekovesh et Yitzro. When we conquer Yitzhara, that's where the real victory is achieved. And so I want to challenge everybody. We'll finish off with this. First of all, before I finish off, thank you again, Matan, Rebecca. Let's do another Beautiful. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim. L'chaim, l'chaim. I just want to give everybody a bit of a challenge. A bit of a challenge over Chanukah. Something to think about. If what we're saying is true, 
that real gvura, real might, is achieved through self-control, restraint. We know ourselves. Other people might not know us, but we know ourselves. We know where we have that lack in self-control. Maybe it's when we get home, and then things aren't as I should, and I start screaming at my wife, or I get nervous about certain things and upset. Maybe it's when I'm driving in traffic, and someone cuts me off, and I scream at the person who just cut me off. Maybe it's when I'm walking down the street, and there's something there that I shouldn't be looking at, and I get involved like I shouldn't. Everyone has their things. Everyone knows them, and no one else needs to know them but themselves. But the real victory of Chanukah is achieved when we kovesh at Yitzram, when we conquer our Yitzar. And with that, we can conquer all. Hamas is nothing. The entire Arab world is nothing. You understand? Tov erech It's nothing. It's nothing. It doesn't exist. It's completely insignificant. So next time, I just want to point this out. I want you to think about it. Next time I'm in that Nisayon, that challenge, and I succeed, I just conquered Hamas. Think about that for a second. I just conquered Hamas. Tov erech I'm in that situation where I could fall. I could falter. I could I could mess up. I'm not physically stronger than them. But you know what? Maybe what I just did just saved an Israeli soldier. Who knows? Who knows? Just saying. It's a tremendous thing to think about over Hanukkah. Bezat Hashem. We should be Zoha. To really be like Yosef HaTzadik in that way. Yosef, like we have over here, this wonderful Yosef. Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaChassid, actually. Who was Kovesh Yitzro. And we should see the Geulah from this current struggle. Thank you again for hosting.